Can you hear me? Cool. Um, so, yeah, my name is Dave Niskin. This is Nathan Bosso. Um, we're going to speak today on following Jesus in the entertainment industry. But Pastor Steve did ask us to do a little performance first. So we're going to play Amazing Grace for you. All right. One, two, one, two, three, four. Thank you very much. Um, Steve asked us to, to do that. That was Nathan Bosso on the bass. Nathan is a professional bass player from South London. We met at music college, and what's always struck me about Nathan is his humility. He's an excellent guy to spend time with, and he's going to share for a few minutes later. Um, but my name is Dave Niskin, and I used to go to this church 
Um, I grew up a lot here, but a little while ago I moved to East London, and now I go to King's Cross Church. I think I heard one of KXC's songs actually in the news there, I think. Um, so I am a professional musician, as I say, and I started playing the guitar at age 10 um, because my dad played in the worship team, and I wanted to be like my dad. Uh, at age 14, then I joined the C3 worship team, and um, actually, I do believe that's what kept me in church through my teens, because um, obviously my motivation wasn't always right, but um, my parents were ill throughout my teens, and um, basically they couldn't make it to church for the majority of the time, so I was reliant on people for lifts. And I'm particularly grateful to Steve and Angie Campbell, because they used to have me around every Tuesday after school, took the school bus back with Becky Campbell, they gave me dinner, and then Josh Campbell, he's here somewhere, would give me a lift to worship practice. Um, so that was amazing. Um, at age 17, then I was studying at Hills Road Sixth Form College, and um, I decided that I was going to drop out and not do the second year, because I wanted to pursue being a professional musician. I decided I was going to go to music college and do a higher diploma than degree. But actually, God had other plans, and he used Steve to... Um, give me the, an invite to do the worship internship here at C3. This is before um, the Journey Academy. It was just me who was the intern that year. I was intern to uh, Wayne Sanders, who used to be worship pastor here once upon a time. Fantastic man, and I learned so much from him. Still in touch with Wayne. Uh, I didn't really do all the reading that Steve set me. I have to say my priorities were quite focused on music, and um, hopefully that's changed now. Um, then at age 18, after having a good foundational year, I got baptised that year, then I went off to study at a place called the Academy of Contemporary Music um, in Surrey. It was a very competitive environment and I really wanted to become a professional, so I decided I was going to spend as many hours practising as I could possibly physically manage, day or night. Um, and I did that throughout the holidays as well. It, it wasn't healthy, to be honest with you, um, but what did happen is a few tutors noticed me and um, they actually started to offer me bits of paid work. Um, and I also started up some groups with friends to play for money at weddings and corporate events. Um, and then when I left college, then a tutor recommended me to play in a theatre show um, in the band uh, in Brighton. And that went well. The following year, I got called back. And this time, it was playing at Wembley Arena. It was a show called Love Beyond. Two nights at Wembley Arena which was just a really great thing to get on the CV. So the, the West End show, Jersey Boys, then got in touch. They have a UK tour, same show but on tour. So I then started covering on that regularly. Meanwhile, I was building up a base of private students um, and also started a YouTube channel, doing things a bit like you saw there, um, but usually by myself on like acoustic guitar, well-known songs. And um, these days it has about 15,000 subscribers. So I'm really seeking God on how can I actually use any influence that he's given me there responsibly. Um, just the final thing I'll say before I get into the, the message is I always wanted to play as a guitar player for artists, you know, well-known artists and so on. Um, it's called being a session guitar player. So I, I did that on a really small scale with my peer group, but then in 2014, I got the chance to start covering regularly with an artist that had a bit of a higher profile. Um, and then a couple of years later, 2016, their guitar player moved on. He like, plays with American artists and stuff now. And um, I got the chance to be their main guitar player. So actually, the last couple of years, I've been able to tour internationally quite a lot with that. And I've also been able to collaborate with other artists. So now I've toured as far as uh, Australia, 
USA, um, North Africa, obviously Europe, a bit closer to home. And last month I had the chance to play in the Caribbean for the first time at an international jazz festival, which was just amazing. So God has blessed me incredibly, but really, what does any of that matter when I think about this book? Um, I really do want to ask us today, the title of the talk is Following Jesus in the Entertainment Industry. I want to ask us three questions. And the first question is, what is the story that we're living in? So I do need to pay attention to the true reality of the world and not just my own story. Now I happen to believe about this book, not everyone in this room will agree with me, but I actually believe that this book is historically reliable. I believe that it is completely compatible with modern science. And I live in East London where there are many different faiths, um, but I actually believe that no other faith or way of viewing the world can actually account for the true nature of the human heart the reality in the world and it's uh, like the reality of the world and its brokenness um, and no other faith can offer a personal relationship with the creator God so those are some reasons why I believe this book if I believe that I really ought to base my life on it right um, so I need to know the story that we're living in the central uh, theme of the Bible that runs through like a thread is called the Gospels I'm sure you'll be aware and Tim Keller a well-known pastor in New York sums up the gospel as this. He says, the gospel is the true story that God made a good world that was marred by sin and evil. But through Jesus Christ, he redeemed it at infinite cost to himself so that someday he will return to renew all creation, end all suffering and death, and restore absolute peace, justice, and joy in the world forever. The vast implications of this gospel worldview about the character of God, the goodness of the material creation, the value of the human person, the fallenness of all people and all things, the utmost importance of love and grace, the importance of justice and truth, the hope of being freed from sin, affect everything, and especially our work. I think that sums it up quite well. And the first thing I'd like to say about the story we live in is that the gospel gives us an alternative storyline to those we see in the world for our work. Um, so the world tells us that we should put our identity in what we do, what we have, or what others think of us, right? What we do, what we have, or what others think of us. And I have tried all of these things, and it hasn't ended well, as maybe you'll see um, as we go on. But the gospel, what Jesus has done on the cross, through God having sent him, Jesus being the only one who could make a sacrifice for us, he freely gave his life to die for us, and then God raised him from the dead. And the Bible actually tells us that he will come back again, and he will make all things new and restore the world. So, interestingly, the Bible also tells us if we believe that, then actually we can be adopted as children, as been mentioned earlier today, sons and daughters of God, adopted sons and daughters. This is one of the places where the Bible says it in Romans. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's like Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you see there how it contrasts fear and slavery with the other end of the spectrum, which is being a child of God. And I used to operate out of fear. One of the things that I did for a long time was I'd actually stay up all night regularly to prepare for more important performances um, because I was afraid of failure. And I think there was also an element of feeling that I needed to almost do more 
to, to be loved more by God. And as I started to read my Bible more, I discovered actually that's definitely not what the Bible says. So as we go on, hopefully we'll see more about what it means to put our identity in being a child of God. The second thing about the story that we live in, I believe, is that God designed work to be partnering with him in his love and care for the world. I think most of you will be familiar with the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1, where it says that God created mankind, male and female, in his image. It also says that he commissioned mankind to be fruitful and to multiply, and to fill the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion over every living thing on it. Now, when human beings multiply, then actually, inevitably, we see culture develop. Even a small number of human beings, you will eventually see civilization develop, right? And this is work that people who don't follow Jesus can absolutely engage in. And we see that actually, as culture develops, this is almost a partnering with God in further development of the world. It's not only something Christians can do. Let me give you an example. So music, fitting example. It's taking physical vibrations and it organizes them into something beautiful um, that evoke emotion in the listener and the performer and actually it brings meaning in life. This is not just work that Christians can do. So we can appreciate the work of all of our colleagues who are not believers in every industry that we are in. But what can we do distinctively as Christians? Well, a lawyer once asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we see there about loving our neighbor. That's one thing we can do distinctively. Who is our neighbor? Well, it's pretty much everyone we come into contact with, right? Um, especially those that we work with. Um, so I think that means loving them with no strings attached. Um, I think that they don't have to earn our love, just as we don't have to earn Jesus' love. We need only accept it. Even if someone at work in our industry wrongs us, then we are called to love them, and that's something very distinct that the world will not do, that we can do. Um, what are some other things we can do distinctly? Well, that musical that I was involved in called Love Beyond at Wembley Arena, there were many very gifted non-Christians involved, but actually, ultimately, it was written by two Christians. And um, it was telling the story of the Bible from start to finish. It makes for great theatre, and that's something they felt they could do distinctively. What about in my own work? Well, if someone follows me on social media, I want it to be fairly apparent to them that actually faith is very important to my work. If someone's crazy enough to want to interview me, which occasionally does happen, um, then I want to be clear that actually I cannot talk about my work without also talking about my faith because it completely changes the values that I have. Um, and just another thought, um, I don't think that Christian musicians just have to write worship music. Worship is incredibly important, but I do believe we also need Christians writing songs in the mainstream industry um, and playing with artists. And what are some things that Christians can do differently maybe in the way that they write songs? Well, I, I write songs and I have conversations with people who write songs. Some things that maybe we could do are to offer hope in our songs. Or maybe we could actually write songs that cause people to think a little bit more deeply about life. Or maybe we can even use, just putting it out there, something I like to call double meaning, which is where maybe you write a song that actually it sounds like a romantic love story and it's you know, a nice song for a non-believer to listen to, but actually maybe within it there are truths about God's 
relationship with mankind that if a Christian listens, then perhaps they can pick up on those more. So they're just some thoughts. Um, but let's, let's move on. So the, the third thing about the story that we live in, I believe, is that the gospel gives us a new moral compass. It includes ethical guidelines and wise counsel about human hearts. The prophet Jeremiah writes this about the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Is it talking about emotions? Nope, I don't think it is. Um, Ezekiel writes about the Israelites' hearts, that their hearts were like hearts of stone. They just couldn't obey God's law. Um, So if it doesn't mean emotions, what does it mean? Well, Jesus is perhaps the place to look for the answer. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Do you see there how he connects the heart with what we value? And then he connects that with our eyes and how we see the world. So the story that we are living in affects what we value in our hearts, and then that affects how we see the world. I'd like to take this opportunity just to mention that actually I believe we're living in the time between when Jesus came sacrificed himself for our sins, God raised him from the dead, we're living between that time and the time when he will come and make all things new. And I do happen to believe that he may come a lot sooner than some of us are expecting in the church. If, however, he comes in 10 or 20 generations of what would be a very long way off, then I think that each generation does have a responsibility to make sure that we do not compromise. And actually, I do feel for my generation, I do not want us to compromise on how we interpret the Bible in light of current social philosophies. Um, So that's something I think is very relevant in the music industry. Um, The final thing, just about the story that we live in, is that I do believe the gospel changes us and fills us with a new inner power in the Holy Spirit. Those prophets I mentioned, well, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, also Isaiah, they prophesied that God had a solution to these hearts of stone. He was going to put a new spirit within his people. He said he would write the law in their hearts, he'd remember their sin no more, and that each of them, from the least to the greatest, would actually be able to have a relationship with him. This, of course, was actually made possible through Jesus, and it could only be made possible through that sacrifice. And uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament actually writes that we can receive this spirit that they prophesied about, the Holy Spirit, when we accept what Jesus has done for us. And he says that that spirit is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's pretty powerful, right? He also writes that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What does that power look like? Well, maybe I could share an example for you from my own life. Um, Musicians will often ask me, so Dave, when you're away and like on tour and you're in your hotel room, surely even as a Christian, it doesn't mean you don't look at pornography. And hasn't it been like medically proven that guys need to do that kind of thing now? And so I feel it's important to be honest. I say to them, I used to struggle for years with pornography. Throughout my teenage years, I struggled with it. And the earliest years of my career. And I confessed to church leadership and I got myself in an accountability prayer triplet. And these are very important steps to freedom. But you know what I think got me the freedom? This is what I say to them. I think giving the Holy Spirit full access to my heart and being able to pray differently. For example, my career. To be able to pray, God, you've given me this career that I love. But Jesus, if you would want to lead me out of music and do something else with my life, 
I am fine with that because I want to follow you. I want to align my story with your story. Now, of course, I didn't really mean it at first when I prayed up, but I wanted to mean it. And over time, I actually got to mean it. And I prayed other prayers in different areas of my life. And that actually brought me freedom. So I've been free for quite some time. And I don't actually think that non-believers necessarily actually believe me. Oh, thank you. Wasn't expecting the applause there, but uh, you're more awake than the first, uh, <laughs> first service. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't think they necessarily believe me, and I don't really care, because it's true, and it's, um, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the second question that I'd like to ask today is, what are the obstacles to living according to this story? Now, we live in a fallen world at present until Jesus comes back and makes things all new. And the human heart, as I've mentioned, is a big issue. God has created many good things, Let's say work is a good thing. Uh, family is an excellent thing that he's created. Romantic relationships are another excellent thing that he's created. But when any of these things actually take up more of our imagination or more of our thought life and our hearts than God, then the Bible tells us that these things have actually become an idol in our life, which is a difficult thing to accept. Um, Martin Luther, the great theologian from the 16th century, writes this about, about that. He says, The first commandment commands... You shall have no other gods, which means since I alone am God, you shall place all your confidence, trust and faith in me alone and on no one else. All those who do not at all times trust God, his favor, grace and goodwill, but seek his favor in other things or in themselves, do not keep this commandment and practice real idolatry. If we do not believe that God is gracious to us and is pleased with us, or if we expect to please him only through and after our works, then it's all pure deception. Outwardly honoring God, but inwardly setting up self ourselves as a false god. That is a very tough one to think about. Um, what we've seen from Jesus already in his teaching is that actually what we value, it does affect the way we see the world. So if we have idols operating and affecting what we value, we do then see the world differently. And actually that means we're probably blind even to what's going on here. So how can we do an internal health check on our heart? Well, I've found that something I've had to learn to do is to pray Psalm 139. Uh, the last couple of verses, this is written by King David, and he wrote, Search my heart, O God, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along your path everlasting. And God hasn't just shown me career, he's shown me other areas like pride. And you know what? Even judging other people, just to give a small example, BMW drivers when they cut me up. <laughs> <laughs> All right? But actually, I'm not even justified in that. I don't know what's going on in their life. And I've, you know, upon reading this, this book carefully, I've found that there is actually no basis for me to judge anybody. Only Jesus is the person who can be the ultimate judge. Um, so that's something I've had to stop doing, and I think a lot of Christians kind of do that. Um, and I'm, I've been one of them. Um, so... What are the symptoms when we experience idols in our life? When career has been an idol for me, I've experienced comparison, comparing myself to others, being burnt out, over busy and rushing, filling my schedule too much, performing and working for my own glory rather than for the glory of God. At music college, they actually taught us to say yes to every opportunity. Um, but that never sat well with me at all because I know that Jesus says that if we come to him, he'll give us rest. He'll give us this easy yoke and his light burden. And the image of a yoke there is as if we're being led along gently by God. Um, so to say yes to everything, I mean, 
that's, that makes for a packed schedule. Um, I've had to learn to pray for discernment, the ability to make good judgments, so that I can say no to some opportunities in order to say yes to others, or even to be able to, to say a, a best yes, you know, to be able to give full attention to something else. But maybe it's just a yes to a day off as a self-employed person. Maybe it's a yes to a day off. Maybe it's a yes to a day set aside for a time with God, like the Sabbath. Um, so those are some, some thoughts there. An area I currently struggle with is social media. Whether or not when I post, am I doing it for my own motivation, my own glory, or am I doing it, or can I learn to do it for the glory of God, where any influence he gives me, I can actually use that responsibly for him. Whilst we're on the subject of social media, then I think it's important to remember that God actually says in the words that he doesn't look at the outward appearance, he actually looks at the heart. And I do believe we should really do the same, not in a judgmental way at all, as I've said. Um, but let's say that you know someone or you follow them on Instagram uh, who just seems to have a perfect life, or maybe they have a real peace or a joy about them, but they don't have Jesus. So maybe you kind of doubt this Jesus thing. Well, I would say that anybody who has not been freed by Jesus, has not accepted that, is actually serving idols in their heart. I don't mean that in a judgmental way, and they won't know they're doing it because it distorts our vision. But we must remember that, and we must not doubt the power of the Word, the Holy Spirit, and of what Jesus has done for us. Um, the third question that I'd like to address, and I'll share a few stories in a minute here, is what does applying this in our lives look like? I think a great phrase is, let's bless what God is blessing. Let's bless what God is blessing. Um, so instead of praying, and I've done this a lot, um, it's actually fine to pray this, but to pray, God, would you bless this project that I'm involved in? Would you bless that project? That is good, but I've been learning to pray a different way, um, and I feel that it's much better perhaps, which is to pray, God, as I look around at the world, then I wanna see what it is that you are blessing or what you want to bless, and I want to get on board with that. Would you show me what you are blessing? Let's bless what God is blessing, let's think about how we pray. Um, Jesus shares some amazing wisdom for how to apply this stuff in our lives. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I feel that's, that speaks of what we've already mentioned, which is being distinct in our work as Christians. I do feel that also speaks of being visible and not hiding the light that we have. And I do feel that it also speaks of being present. So having Christians, as you are, all are, you're present in different industries. And God has given you something in each of your hands. It's very different to what I might have in my hand or what the person next to you has. But God needs you where you are and he needs you to use what you have. Um, and that's part of what Jesus is saying there, I think. So a few stories about salt and light experiences in the entertainment industry. Um, there was a sound engineer that I was on tour with and each day in the van driving between different cities he would see me reading a lot on my phone and uh, he asked me Dave what are you reading and I said well I'm actually reading the Bible um, and so then each day he would start to ask me oh, what is it you're reading in the Bible today and we'd just have these little chats and then later in the tour the accommodation worked out such that I was actually sharing a hotel room with this guy and he opened up to me he said 
Dave, I came to this country five years ago, and in the country I'm from, I used to attend a church. But these last five years, I haven't been to church, and now all of this stuff is going on in my life, and I don't know what to do. Will you just pray for me? And he said, would you also pray that I'd be able to find a church so I can start going back to church? And I was just so humbled that God would actually use me in such an, a clear way like that. Um, I'm sure I've missed many opportunities, but at least I didn't miss that one. I have to say, though, it doesn't always go quite like that if someone finds out I'm a Christian or that they see I'm reading the Bible or something like that. Um, there's another sound engineer one time when we were away, and he said, oh, hasn't science disproved God? And we had a really good chat, and uh, I think I left him with quite a few things to think about. However, I did need to do it gently, as we'll see in a scripture in a minute. But um, there's, there's another musician as well. I have great respect for this guy. He's one of the most talented guys I've ever met. Um, and I really love him as a person as well. He's great. But he does actually laugh at me for believing that, um, as he puts it, God had a son. I wouldn't describe the Trinity that way, but that's how he describes it. And he laughs at me for it. Um, and this is what I found the Bible tells me about that. Peter writes, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who gives you, um, sorry, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Do you see there the need for gentleness and respect? But I also need to actually be prepared to give an answer. Um, that leads me on to something that I really feel I must mention today. If I'm going to talk about the entertainment industry, I think I, I really have to talk about immorality a little bit. Um, it goes on in every industry, but it definitely goes on in the entertainment industry. Um, there were two musicians that I knew a little while ago. Let's call them Musician 1 and Musician 2. And unfortunately, Musician 1 was having an affair with Musician 2, and it was very hard to watch, um, but I felt led to pray for them, and one night I actually ran into Musician 2, um, and I didn't actually know them that well, but I felt God lead me to say, you know what, I actually really enjoy reading the Bible, we're just having a chat, and it turned out the last couple of weeks they'd actually been checking out a church for the first time. Um, this person is a very bright, very smart individual, and they said to me, yeah, I've been checking out the Christian faith, but um, I've got all these questions about evolution, about other faiths, um, and also about like, why would you have to change your lifestyle at all to follow Jesus? Um, so they'd done a very smart thing, which was to arrange to meet with the young adults pastor of that church and ask all of their questions. I bet he loved it. Uh, <laughs> Um, unfortunately, he couldn't answer all of the questions without some you know, forewarning. So I said to this person, I would be happy to try and answer your questions if you'd like. Um, and so we exchanged contact details and they spent the next two or three weeks messaging me most days, um, asking me about probably 15 of the most difficult questions they could think of about the Christian faith. Um, but fortunately, Nathan and I actually really enjoy these conversations and it wasn't the first uh, time that I had come across these questions. So I was able to answer them adequately enough that they felt that they could at least keep attending that church. Last time I checked in with them a little while ago, then um, they were still attending that church. I don't know whether they've ever made a commitment to follow Jesus or whether for a period they've just liked going to church, but that's been really encouraging. However, going back to that issue of um, immorality, there was obviously an affair going on in that situation. And my heart you know, goes out to, to anyone, you know, whatever blame you want to put on whatever side, let's forget about that. Um, and 
So I think, as a Christian, what's my response? Well, that person I'm talking about there is a non-believer. So the ideal is just to be who I am, be open about my faith, shine my light, and if they're interested, then we can chat. I can share the gospel that I believe in, and ideally, that's what will happen. They can take it or leave it. God is going to sort all of that out. I just need to do my part. But what if the person is a Christian and this is going on? Well, that is a tricky one, but the Bible gives some amazing advice. Jude writes, Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now, what I love about that is that he gives three different approaches for different situations. The first, being merciful, just showing mercy and not judging anybody, just loving people. The second, save others by snatching them from the fire. Well, that sounds quite dramatic, but what it could be, I mean, we're talking about a believer here, right? So if I'm a believer, they're a believer, then what's to stop me sharing, oh, I've been reading Matthew 5 this week and it talks about salt and light. And um, yeah, what do you think about that? I don't need to say, oh, I know what's going on here and this is what you need to do. I just need to be open about like, who I am. And those chats, like, if we chat about the word, then this book, like the Bible, is, it's alive. Like, it will speak to them. I don't have to do it all. It will speak to them um, if, they, if they want to, you know, if they have a soft enough heart. Um, and, and maybe what you sow also will, will be reaped in the future. Um, but what about if I look at the third approach? Well, that's showing mercy but also realizing that I could get drawn in here, realizing that we are all frail human beings, and even if we haven't fallen into that before, then we could actually be drawn in. Um, and after gigs, particularly abroad, certain gigs can be the most tempting times where there are temptations around me, and I've found the Bible actually gives me some great advice. Again, it says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Notice the heart mentioned again, right? Along with people who value the right things. So first thing, flee the situation. Politely excuse oneself. I've certainly had to do that many times. Um, but what about this? It says, pursue different values to the world, essentially. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That speaks, I think, of being rooted in a local church. And I actually think most of you here, maybe you attend here regularly. That's great, you're rooted in a local church. Um, I think even something we could do further than that, uh, or, or in addition to that, is to meet with other Christians in our industry. This is something that Nathan and I are, uh, Nathan and I are trying to develop now in London, um, is to get Christian musicians meeting together, discussing these kinds of issues, just opening up the word together, no one has to preach, just reading the word together, and actually praying together, spending time praying. And we've been seeing some really good things happening from that, and I believe that goes on in pretty much every industry. Maybe there's some people that you can connect with. Um, one more scripture here that mentions this um, is Paul writing to the church in Galatia. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let's not ever deceive ourselves. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. I do think that speaks for itself, but let me zone in on the last part, because it deals with another big issue in the entertainment industry, which is comparison. 
And what's the solution? Well, it seems to be offering two bits of advice. It seems to be talking about humility, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, thinking of ourselves with sober judgment, but it also talks about each one having to bear their own load. So I am called to one particular thing, and others in this room are called to another particular thing, and we need to stay in our lane and do what God has called us to do. Um, Now, one of the best things I've found to just put these things into practice myself as well is having spiritual habits, developing habits that are spiritual. So simply reading this book on a daily basis and realigning my mind to what is in that story because naturally it will go askew unless I keep coming back to that. Um, I also need to build regular time off into my schedule. I believe that there is a biblical principle for just making sure that I have enough space in my life. It's called the Sabbath. I'm not, I'm not going to go into that. Um, so saying no as a self-employed person sometimes facilitates that. And the most important thing perhaps is prayer. Um, something that I've been building in as a habit is to pray first thing in the morning and last thing at night to pray what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, which is essentially like the Our Father prayer. But if I put it in my own words, then it can take five minutes, it can take half an hour. But each day, as I wake up and as I go to sleep, then that means that I'm actually spending time with God. And yes, I'm sharing what's going on in my life, but I think even more importantly than that, I'm reorienting my mind to actually who God is, how big He is, spending time dwelling on that. And that has been immensely helpful to me. Um, If you feel that you could spare any time to pray for the entertainment industry at all, then one area you could pray for would be Christian musicians working with major artists. In the United States, we have seen Justin Bieber, as far as I'm aware, become a Christian and share that publicly in concerts and even with his followers on social media. Um, And I don't think that was through his band. But let's take three British artists. Let's take Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, and Jess Glynn. I can tell you right now that one of those artists has at least two Christians working in their band right now. So if we pray, is God not big enough to actually cause them to just have a soft enough heart to accept Christ? And can't he use the people who are spending time with them every day to, to do that, to be salt and light? And if we just get together and pray, then I think we can see these things happen. Think how many millions of followers they have and what can happen even on a national level just from stuff like that. Um, I'm going to close with this. Nathan is going to come up and share. So if you want to head up, Nathan. But um, this is a quote from Pastor Mark Batterson in, in Washington. He says, Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. Nathan's going to share about how this has affected him as well and how his priorities have been changing. Okay. Hello. Hello, C3. Um, so my name is Nathan. I'm going to give a very brief testimony about my life. Um, <clears throat> similar to kind of what Dave has said, but from my perspective. Um, so my name is Nathan. I'm 25 years old and I'm a musician. So primarily a bass player, as you um, saw our performance. Um, And I've always assumed that, um, from a young age, that music would be kind of the thing I would do for the rest of my life. And I have a really strong passion for music, and I've really loved that. But over the last few years, I've kind of noticed that um, God has really been changing that um, very slowly, incrementally. um, And he's been changing my life's direction or my life's path. Um, 
And so I studied music and um, performance in the same uni university as Dave Niskin, um, ACM, in Guildford from about 2011 to 2014. And during this time, when I was about 19, 20, I had many opportunities. So um, I was able to do things like um, tour in Jamaica. Um, I went to America. Um, I did a tour in UK, which was great. Um, plus just playing regular gigs around, um, all around UK. Um, and all that stuff was um, absolutely lovely. <laughs> but um, I noticed that um, when I got outside of, uh, so when I finished university, um, God seemed to initiate something different in me. And um, I'm not sure, but some of you might know what the term apologetics means. Um, and so I started getting really interested in this thing called apologetics, and it just means to give a defense of the faith. Um, and so I started watching a lot of YouTube videos, starting doing a bit of reading in this area. Um, and it was really, really interesting to me. Now, there were two major um, shifts that I can talk about. There were a few more, but I'll just talk about the two major shifts that kind of reorientated my life's goals after this initial transition after uni. So the first one, and once again, a lot of people here probably had a similar experience, but my faith was challenged. So 2015, I went to my friend's dad's Bible exhibition, um, which he hosts every um, three years, roughly. And there was a person sitting there um, with a Bible in his hands, and the Bible was open. And I approached him like a good Christian to have a conversation. Um, thought I could, you know, talk him um, into Christianity or something like that. Um, little did I know that he had a whole bunch of questions that I absolutely had no answers to. Um, and after that conversation for about half an hour, 45 minutes, I left feeling pretty deflated. Um, now, this didn't cause me to lose my faith necessarily. It actually did the opposite thing. And it caused me to want to really study and to learn and to figure out if what I knew was actually the truth. And so I spent the next couple of years um, really delving into studies about the Bible and the truth of it and its veracity. Some of the stuff that Dave said about history, the science and all of that stuff. Um, secondly, in 2017, so very recently, I felt God urging me to really take serious studies as opposed to the personal studies that I was doing. Um, and so I applied to do a master's degree in um, Edinburgh University in philosophy, science and religion which has been a great course. Um, and as of last month, I just finished my dissertation, um, which has been amazing, thank you. <laughs> um, and that has been great. Um, and leading on from that, um, I realized that God was kind of pushing me into the area of academics. And so I applied also to do my PhD, which I'm gonna be doing at UCL, which I'm gonna start that in January. So that hasn't begun yet, but that's future plans for me. That's coming very, very soon. Um, and so these two have been really major shifts. Um, now. How this kind of applies to my life in general, um, outside of my studies and stuff, is that um, throughout the last few years, I've been able to have actually really excellent conversations with people um, about topics that I'm much more confident about. Um, so topics relating to the Bible, again, relating to science, to the history and all of that stuff, and questions that people have had within the music industry and, with, um, and outside of it. And I've been able, hopefully, to challenge these people um, into you know, really thinking deeply about these types of things. Also, I started um, a blog um, called evidenceandfaith.com where, again, I do exactly similar things. So I um, write short articles relating to all of those topics, um, apologetics to kind of um, give you the general term, but all of those things, because it's really 
I feel it's really important. It's something that I've been able to do. Um, and lastly, I'm also a youth leader now at my church, so I'm trying to really help the younger generation to kind of get that solid grounding as they go out into the um, world. Um, because um, as we all know, like the times are changing and things are very challenging as opposed to you know, the stuff that we went through, the stuff that they're going through is very, very different. Um, in 2016, I with one of my friends started a Skype group where it was supposed to be like a community for us to basically discuss the Bible and, um, and just kind of grow in Christ and whatnot. And that was good. That went on for about a year or so. Um, unfortunately, it fizzled out for various reasons to do with time and such and such. But out of that birthed another, um, you could say, project, um, which Dave actually contacted me about. So Dave had a couple of ideas this year, um, and he wanted to put something together. And this is what he's already kind of spoken about briefly, where we basically want to gather musicians in London to, again, have a community um, where we talk about the Bible and we can pray and stuff like that. And so when Dave contacted me, I was really interested in doing something like that, and I felt there was a place for me within that. And so as of this year, we've been kind of really pushing this. Um, and so far, as he said, we've seen God really do some amazing things in that. Um, and so effectively, to end um, my uh, story here, God's really kind of changed my um, path from being all about, I guess, myself and my own music to himself and how I can more effectively communicate the word of God to people in my everyday interactions. And I'm more or less yet to see what he has in store for me because uh, I'm still young and I've got a long way to go. But that's my um, testimony. Thank you. That's been really great to see. Nathan's inspired me a lot. He's actually the person who even got me into thinking about things like science and Christianity and all the other issues that come up. Um, so we really would love to pray for three groups of people today. We do believe that in order to follow Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus, it does require something of us. And still in this day and age, Jesus does call people and it does have a certain cost to it. Um, and we would love to pray for you. So, um, if you want individual prayer or a chat at the end, we'll be around here. But um, for now, if you are a young person, you consider yourself young, and you have dreams for your future, or maybe you would like God to impart dreams to you, or maybe you just want to feel God with you as you just navigate life, then we would really love to pray for you. The second group are those of you who work in creative industries, and let's just think about what they might be. Well, architecture, maybe computer programming, really anything in your job that requires creativity. If that applies to you, we'd love to pray for you and that you can be sought and light. And the third group would be those of you who have a gift in your hand. God has given you something. Maybe you're good at drawing, uh, or maybe you're really good with people. You're like a people person, but your job or your work in the home doesn't actually use that you don't feel like it's being utilized and you would love to see how to use that and for God to show you so if you're in any of those three groups please stand now there's a lot of people who are starting to stand please make sure you stand don't miss out um, or if you just want to stand you don't feel that you actually are part of one of these groups you just want some prayer in relation to this please stand Nathan's going to pray um, I'm just going to very briefly pray for the younger people um, in Jesus' name, um, I want to thank you. Um, I thank you for the life itself. Um, firstly, I thank you that um, 
you enable people to be born and you enable um, generations to rise. Um, generations affect the world and they are very they are a very important thing and we um, thank you for the new generation that are amongst us and the effect that they can have on the world and the effect that they are already having on the world and I pray Lord that you can really uh, orientate their lives goals and their, their dreams and you know what they want to be um, in line with what um, with your message Lord I pray that your, your message will um, really touch their hearts and, and I pray that um, you can also help the older generation to really um, facilitate that and to um, be a point of contact for the younger generation. As we know, they're going through many things that we necessarily didn't go through and um, the struggles that they have are not the struggles that we have had. Um, so I really pray and I pray for your protection over their lives in Jesus' name that you will really um, be with them and push them and um, help them to affect the nation. In fact, help them to affect the entire world, Lord. And, and we know with the Holy Spirit that is absolutely possible, Lord. So I just want to thank you for what you have done and what you are doing now and what you will do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yes, Lord, I pray in agreement for the for those young people, Lord. And I pray also for those here who use creativity in some way in their work. Father, please show them how they can be distinct and be salt and light in their work. I pray for conversations in offices even this week Lord God about faith I pray for a boldness and a courage for everybody here to be able to just be open about what they believe Lord God I just really pray for distinctness Lord and I also pray for inspiration with creativity for ideas and dreams that you would want to you would want to put into people Lord God and I pray for that third group Lord I pray for those who you've given a gift to Lord God but they are frustrated because they just don't see where they can be using it much at the moment. I really pray, Lord God, that you would show them and lead them by the hand to where you would have them use that. Grant them patience where it's needed, Lord God. And I pray, would you bring people into their lives like divine appointments who can just connect them, Lord God. We've seen it before and I pray that we'd see it in this room. Just connections being made, Lord God. Even God, if it's a different job for somebody, I pray for that, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for everybody here for just a greater thirst for more of you, for, for prayer, for more relationship with you, a greater thirst for your word, Lord God. Anybody who is feeling a sense of weariness and almost tiredness, Lord God, I just pray that that would lift off, that anyone who's feeling tired in their spiritual walk, Lord God, that they would just receive a rejuvenation right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.